Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, the book of Exodus, chapter number 13. And um, man, I love the Old Testament, I love the New Testament. But there's just something about the Old Testament that when I read it, I, um, I place myself in some of these situations very easily. And when you read the Old Testament, you see a lot of things that happen and you're always wondering whether or not uh, God is there, God is present, and you're saying, uh, well, how is, uh, how's God gonna do this? How's God gonna do that? And you look at these situations that the Israelites found them in and sometimes I, it's a perfect parallel of where life can be, where it seems insurmountable you don't know how the things are going to work out, but you know that God's in control and that's all that matters. And I believe that God's going to do something great tonight. I feel a very direct word for tonight and I believe that God's got something great in store. So the book of Exodus chapter number 13, and I'm only going to read three verses, so I will not keep you standing long. But book of Exodus 13, it states, so God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. Orderly ranks. That word there, orderly ranks, is simply translated as military precision. So God is leading his children out of captivity. And he's taking them to the promised land. But he commands them to leave as if they were walking in a military fashion. Now, I have never been in the military, so I can't tell you that I know what it's like to walk in military rank and file, uh, but I can assure you it doesn't look fun for those of us that have never done it. Um, but they did this. All of them did. Now, if you flip over to the next chapter, Exodus 14 and verse 13, it says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. You only have to be silent. And the Lord will fight for you. For the next few moments, I want to preach to you. The Lord has given you the city. The Lord has given you the city. And as you're seated this evening, I just want to encourage somebody tonight that the Lord has given you the city. And so I find myself in these stories, as I've mentioned from time to time, and I remember stories of my childhood growing up. Now, all of you, I am very, you'll find this hard to believe. I was actually very shy for probably the first 13 years of my life. And I see Brother Palmer looking at me like I'm lying to you right now in the pulpit, but I was, I was very shy. And uh, it wasn't until I hit my growth spurt and uh, you know, got a little bit more confident. And, but I remember being, once I kind of grew out of being shy, there was no turning this off. Um, when my feet hit the floor in the morning, I'm ready to rock and roll. There's no waking up, no getting adjusted to the light. It's, it's go time. And um, after I found this newfound confidence of not being shy, I'll never forget we were, uh, my parents took us to Europe on a trip and it was my first time out of the country. 
And um, listen, I, I grew up in New Jersey, so I thought I, I thought I was a little bit cultured. I, you know, I was I know a little bit about something. Uh, but we got to Germany, and I realized that I was not very cultured because here I am sawing my steak and cutting things, and everybody looking at me like this dumb American has no clue how to eat like we eat, know know how to act like we act. And it came to boil uh, at a restaurant. And my dad, who has traveled to Germany since I was a kid, he's always worked for companies that have had offices in Germany. So in my mind, you know, he knew what he was doing. I did not, though. And I'll never forget, we sat down at a table, and we were, um, it had been a long day. Jet lag was kicking in. And um, you ever get to the point where you get so tired, you just get a little crazy? No? Nobody else? Okay, just me. All right. Well, this was one of those days, Brother Valle, where I was um, very tired. And that morning I had had two Red Bulls for the first time in my life. And so dinner came. And my dad is, and uh, if you've ever been to Germany, you understand that some of the restaurants are shared tables. So you get this big old table and it's not just your family sitting there, but it's other families. And um, again, somebody that's a little happy, you know, just from not being, from being awake for like 28 hours straight, you know, I'm functioning on all cylinders, if you will. And this guy sits down at our table and um, with the thickest German accent, he tried to say, hello, welcome to Germany. And it didn't come out like that at all. Uh, and I started laughing and uh, I know all of you are judging me. I can feel it. I understand. I'm sorry. It was funny to me. So I started laughing. Well, I got to laughing and my dad is very quietly under his breath telling us to calm down and to be quiet. And mind you, I'm 17 at this point and I'm not stopping laughing. And he's saying, calm down, be quiet, calm down. Under as quiet as he can. And um, this is one of those times where I could have applied this verse, just be silent and let the Lord do what he needed to do. But Nathan was having a good time, and uh, I shortly thereafter knocked the candle over on the table. And there was a brown paper bag of pretzels on the table, right next to the beautiful flower arrangement on the table. And as I'm laughing, my dad is saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. And I'm sitting there, and I look over, and I go, oh, no. The brown paper bag that once had beautiful pretzels in it were now burnt. And the bag was flaming. And I look over and I'm trying to stop this. And you know what happens when you try to stop a bag that's on fire? Well, then ash starts coming up. Well, then all of a sudden I look over and the flowers are now on fire. If anybody could have benefited from being quiet and letting God handle it, it was me. But you know what you do when things like that happen? You try to make a bad situation and you try to make it better, but you only end up making it all right. So what does Nathan do? Nathan takes that bottle, the, the, the sparkling water that he had, and I try to dump it on the flames. Needless to say, I was able to extinguish it. However, this gentleman who sat down at the table with us was so mad, he began to say rude things under his breath, which my dad understood, speaking German, and uh, got up and walked away to another table, found another family to sit with. And afterwards, my dad said, our reputation is on the line here in Germany. And I'm like, dad, everything's okay. 
What's a little burnt flowers among friends thinking that it would be funny? Again, this is one of those times where just being quiet and letting God do his work would have been better. And if we're being honest, most of us could probably say we've had to insert our foot in our mouth a time or two in our life. But there is something to be said that when we get into situations where sometimes we just need to stop what we're doing and just let God do what he does. And so we find this text chapter here and we find this narrative and find this story of the Israelites leaving Egypt. And there are hundreds of theories as to why they left in military position as an army and why it felt like they were leaving as if they were going to conquer and going to wage wars, even though God said he was going to take them around because if they were to come in contact with an enemy, he would fear that they would want to go back to the land of Egypt. So we wonder why would they be filing out and walking into the wilderness in military precision or walking in this way that would seem as if everything was orderly and everything was okay. But God decides to take them the long way. He says, you know what, I, I don't feel that you're ready for a battle right now, but it would be, it could potentially scare you back into captivity. But he says, I'm going to take you around away, but you're going to have to rely on me is what he's telling them. And so we see here in our text chapter, we see this story. And if you've been in church for your life, you probably have heard this story. And if you haven't, God's children, the Israelites, have been in captivity for over 400 years as slaves to the Egyptians. And the Egyptians have had many times where they've said, we'll let you go. They wouldn't. So God sent plagues through Moses and through Aaron. And he begins to do something. And then finally, God gives them a plague that ends all plagues. And finally, Pharaoh says, you may go. But we know the story that Pharaoh has then a change of heart after the Israelites leave. And so that's where we pick up in Exodus 14. And we see that as soon as the Israelites see that the Egyptians are after them, we see that they began to question Moses or the man of God and begin to say, have you brought us out here to die? Even though they just saw the plagues that God did to deliver them, they just went through the Passover and they saw all these great things. And here we are saying, you know what? I don't know if God can deliver us once more again. So we know that the Israelites, there are two things to infer here. We know that the Israelites know how to use their voice to complain. And we know that the Israelites know and have a sense or they know that God can do great things, but can he do what I need him to do right now? It was one thing to bring me out of captivity, but is it another thing to allow me to continue to walk in victory? You ever wonder why we face such great victories in the church, but the moment that we leave, the enemy tries to bring you almost back into captivity. We ever wonder why we get the victory, and then as soon as we leave, there's a battle that's waiting for you. It's because, and I feel tonight in the Holy Ghost to remind somebody that God still fights the battles for his church. He still fights the battle for his children. And sometimes we've just got to stand there and let God do what he does. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what to say. But we say, God, I'm just standing here for you to do what you do. And so here we are at this moment. We see that they have, they leave what was a sure victory, walking out in victory formation, if you will. And here they are with their first, if you will, battle. It's not even a battle because we know what God does, but here they are with their first decision. 
And I love how God does this. He says, you are going to stand there and I don't want you to say a word. Now, for some of us, not talking is real hard. That's me. And I am picturing in this moment, they are now walking out rank and file and here they are. And all of the sudden, the Israelites look and the Egyptians are behind them. And in front of them, here they are at the Red Sea and all of a the sudden they say, Moses, you've brought us out here to die. What is going on, Moses? And they look and God says, I'm going to fight this one again for you, but you've got to stand fast and you've got to be silent. There is something to be said that when God gives us direction that we don't understand, it's up to us. Our response is gonna dictate what happens at the Red Sea. If the Israelites had turned and run and said, we don't trust the man of God, we don't trust the voice of God, we don't trust what God has done in times past, they would be in a whole lot different shape than if they had just said, you know what, God, you're telling us that you're gonna win this victory and all we gotta do is stand here and be quiet, we're gonna do it. There is something to be said when we say, God, your way does not make sense, but I'm still going down it. Your path, it may not be clear, but I'm still going down it. Your ways are above my ways, God, and I may never understand it, but I will stand and watch the sure hand of the Lord bring me out. And so the Israelites have this moment now, and God says, stand and watch. On their exodus, they were required to stand and to stay silent, but they still saw victory. God was saying to them once again that there is nothing that I cannot do. I just brought you out and I brought you out through plagues, through supernatural wonders and signs. But here I'm gonna do it again because I control the wind. I control the waves. I control the water. And I can sit here and say, if you've got an enemy behind you, you've got an enemy in front of you, it may seem all around. But if you just stand silent and let me do what I do, I'll work it out. So we see that on their exodus, they were required to stay silent and to watch God do what he did again. And if you look throughout the plagues, there were no plagues that required them to shout. There were no plagues that required them to really do anything other than the Passover, which was to put the blood on the doorpost. Everything else was just stand and watch God. It's no coincidence that the first time that they run into trouble on their exodus, God says to them again, stand and watch. Stand and watch. And so here we see this chapter, this story begins to unfold. And we know what happens from there. They go out to the wilderness, they continue to complain and they wonder and say, our God, are you ever there? God, how are we gonna have food? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do that? And we know that they go to possess the promised land and they come back and say, we cannot overtake the giants that are there. We, we get there. And so here, even after God did all these great and mighty things, even after God delivered them and even after God did all these things, we see that they still have a lack of trust in who God is. But however, if you fast forward their story now, and this is where I want to spend a few moments and I wanted to lay the groundwork for this portion of scripture, was found in Joshua chapter number six. It states, but Joshua commanded the people, verse number 10, you shout out, shout, or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then 
you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city going about at once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Eerily familiar to our text chapter of do not talk, do not say a word. Let's just follow the voice of God. And I know you all are feeling, what are you going to say at the end of this? Because they shouted and don't worry. God has a way of doing things and he does everything with intentionality. So here we are. God tells them again, do not say a word. What was God doing? I believe that God was stripping them again of all the habits that they had built the last 40 years in the wilderness of using their voice to complain, using their voice against the man of God, using their voice against the things of God. Because it was a few chapters after that that we hear in the wilderness that it's Joshua who says in Exodus 32, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp, but he said, it is not a noise of the shout of victory nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but I hear the sound of singing. So it was as soon as he came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger became hot that he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. God was stripping the Israelites once again and he said, you've complained. You've used your voice to talk negatively. You've used your voice to come against the man of God. You've used your voice to come against the priest. You've used your voice to come against the things that I have called you to do. So I am going to just put a gag order on you if you will. He said, if you want to see victory, you're going to have to stop talking sometimes. You're going to have to stop worrying sometimes. And you're just going to have to let me do what God does. And that's God brings a victory every single time. And here we see God tells them, he says, if you're going to walk around, you can't talk. There can't be a word that comes out of your mouth. If you're going to walk around, if you're going to inherit, inhabit your land, if you're going to walk into your prophetic destiny, you've got to get everything out and let me in. So we see that God is once again reaching for his children. However, in verse 15 of Joshua 6, it states this, on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And then seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. God brought them out under silence and said, watch, do what I, watch me do what I can do. He said, but in order for you to possess your prophetic destiny, it must be with a shout. So the six days that they spent wandering, spent walking around, there was no noise. There was nothing. There was no talking. There was no anything. But on the seventh day, when they went around, there was a shout. And I wonder if perhaps Joshua in his mind had remembered the day that they stood there at the Red Sea and said, you know what? This is kind of like this. For six days, we've got no voice. For six days, we've got to get everything out. For six days, we've got to consecrate the most unruly part of my body, which is my tongue. And I've got to sit here and say, for six days, I can't use this. 
And then all of a sudden on the seventh day, we're gonna use the most unruly part of the body to bring the walls down. And I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight that the enemy has tried to capture the things that we say, the things that we do. But I've come to tell somebody tonight, if we can get a hold of what God is doing at the Life Church and in the kingdom of God in this hour, if we can get a hold of it and say, God, the only thing that's coming out is the shout. The only thing that's coming out is worship and praise. I can tell you this much, you're gonna see the walls fall. You're going to see healing. You're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. But we've got to learn to get the shout. So God told them the most unruly part is going to have to be maintained. And you wonder why tongues are necessary. It's because the most unruly part, when we give ourselves to God and we're baptized in Jesus' name and we've repented and we're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's because we turn our tongue over and say, God, not my will, but thine be done. I want to be filled with your presence. And all of a sudden, when the Holy Ghost comes in, the walls begin to fall, addictions begin to break, and God begins to do a new thing. And so we see that there was something to be said for the shout. You see, I picture in that day that as they marched, marching was nothing new to them. We read that they marched in military precision out of Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and walked for 40 years. But here we are, and God tells them again, he uses the two things that they were known for, wandering and marching and having an unruly tongue. And he says, those two things I'm gonna control before you control your prophetic destiny. If we want to see God do supernatural things in our lives, could it be that there are some things that God still just needs to say, you know what, I'm gonna take care of for you. But God, I've got some things I've gotta let you have first. You see, the Israelites here in this moment are again, walking and marching. This is what they did for 40 years. They followed the cloud by day and the fire by night was with them at all times. And here God says, you know what? I'm going to do something again. I'm going to do a new work. And if you want to see God do something, it's been said, this is nothing new. But if, you're gonna, if you want to see something you've never saw, you're going to have to do something you've never done. You see, the Israelites had this moment where they knew how to march and that's what they were doing for six days. And they knew how to talk and complain. But God said, I'm going to stop that here in its tracks. And the next thing that comes out of your mouth as you stand on the edge of your destiny is going to have to be a shout to me. Could it be that God is waiting on some of us to just say, God, I've done all I can do, God, and, I, and I'm nowhere near where I need to be. But God, I'm looking to you tonight because I'm going to shout. The next thing that's going to come out of my mouth has to be a shout. God, I've said and I've doubted and I've had a lack of faith, God, and the enemy has tried to rob me of my joy. And God, I haven't been able to lift my hands and I haven't been able to worship like I want to. Could it be that God is just waiting on you to get the shout back and to say, you know what, you're going to control. I'm going to just work through when you begin to speak to me, you begin to talk to me all over again. And then God says, you know what, the walls can fall flat and you're going to walk through like this is a place that you've been promised for over 40 years. And I've come 
come to tell somebody tonight that just on the other side of the shout is the city that the Lord has given you. Whatever that looks like for you, it could be addiction, it could be generational curses that you feel, but I've come to tell somebody tonight that the city is yours if you can learn to shout, if you can learn to dance, if you can learn to worship, the city will be yours. You see, the Israelites were used to doing all these things. They were used to singing. They were used to shouting. But God said, I want to just put a pause on, on 40 years of complaining. I want to put a pause on everything that you know. And I'm going to rewire you so that when you learn how to shout, the walls begin to crumble. And when you see the walls crumble, you'll have no doubt that there can't be giants that you can conquer. We all know that the Israelites kept wandering to and from God. But I've come to tell somebody tonight, you don't have to live a life in wandering. You can live a life in victory when you've got the shout in your heart and the shout in your voice and say, I don't care what the enemy may throw, but I know in whom I have believed. You see, the shout can bring walls down. I believe that in this place tonight, there are those that the enemy has convinced you that the mountains in front of you are not able to be conquered. The city, if you will, whatever the city is in your life, it may not be able, you feel like it may not be able to be conquered. But I've come into this place tonight to tell you that if you've marched, you keep on marching. And you may feel tired. You say, I've been marching for 40 years. I don't know if one more trip around Jericho is worth it. I've come to tell you it's worth it. You've been praying, you've been praising, you've been sacrificing, you've been doing all you know how to do. And you're sitting there and say, I've been doing this for 40 plus years. I don't know if I can make another trip around Jericho, but let me just tell somebody that when you get a shout in your mouth and you say, I don't care what the enemy has come, I don't care what the enemy has said, that that one more trip and that shout begins to shake the walls. It begins to do things that only God can do. You begin to see things that only God can do. You begin to see supernatural signs and wonders. You begin to see a harvest and a revival in your family. You begin to see disciples that are made and those that are loved and lost around you. And I've come to tell somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost, that when you get a shout on your voice, there is something that happens. We know that it shreds the atmosphere, but there's something that happens in your spirit when you get a shout and say, God, your will will be done. <laughs> there was a shift in Israel's history in this moment. And whatever you're dealing with tonight, there can be a shift in your history. You see, if there's generational curses, there can be generational blessings. That can start tonight. I don't care what the doctor has told you, that you'll never get out from underneath this oppression. You'll never see this. You'll never see that. But I've come to tell somebody tonight that I serve a God who can make cancer disappear just like that. I serve a God who can restore backs. I serve a God who can heal minds. I serve a God who's able to deliver the addicted. But what happens is there's got to be a shout. As the musicians come tonight, There was, there's a transition that's happening in our church and we all know that. <sighs> but I believe Brother Aaron Bounds was here in 2019. And I had the privilege to ride with Pastor Justin and Brother Bounds to the airport. And as we were driving, Pastor, Brother Bounds told Pastor Justin and I, he said, I feel an apostolic authority in this city. He said, from the airport to your church, 
He said, I didn't feel much resistance. Brother Bounds is a prophet. He's an apostle. He understands spiritual warfare. And when he told Pastor Justin in that night in the car, I just remember looking at Pastor Justin and I just, I was in awe. I said, man, this is, this is amazing. And Pastor Justin and I talked about it a little bit later and just felt God was doing something great at the Life Church. And he is. And I have to say that a couple of weeks ago, that when Bishop Gleason put his hanky on Pastor Justin, there was an apostolic authority that was transferred to Pastor Justin. And that same apostolic authority that Bishop Gleason has had at this church for 35 years plus years, Pastor Justin is gonna have at the Life Church and in Kansas City here in the future. You see, this story that we are reading about was in transition as Moses has given to Joshua and he says, you go and you do. I had to stand in silence while God did what he did, but he said, you go and you shout. You lead the people and let them shout. Pastor Justin, there's an apostolic authority that's upon you and that's upon this church for this city. And I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight that this city, whatever your city is, my Kansas City, I want Kansas City to have the Word of God preached in every pulpit. And I want to see a harvest. I want to see crusades. I want to see supernatural signs and wonders. But for some of you, you're living in a place where you just need God to move in your family and need God to move in your life. And you're saying, this city that I'm trying to conquer, I don't know if I can do it. And some of you, it may be addiction. For some of you, it may be things that have happened to you in your life that you weren't responsible for, but you're now paying all the cost for. And there are some of us that the enemy has tried to silence our praise and our shout as we stand all across this place tonight. And what I felt in the Holy Ghost to deliver this message tonight is this. The only thing is here. The timing was right for the Israelites. The transition was right for the Israelites. But the only thing that was left was their response. And that's what God does. He says, I brought you to your prophetic destiny. The transition, the moment between Moses and Joshua, it's right, it's here. Just behind those walls are houses you never built. You're gonna live in, you're gonna dwell in. Those are vineyards that you're gonna plant from. And for some of you, you are the byproduct of prayers that have been prayed for generations. And we're standing there and we're saying, God, I'm ready to do what you have called me to do. But it's your response that's gonna dictate what what God's gonna do here in these next few moments. So before we open these altars, I wonder if we could just lift all of our hands, everybody that can across this room right now. You see, here's what happens. God, when he brings us out of something, it's always stand and see. Every single time God brought people out, it was stand and watch. But when God brings you in, it's always shout and see. 
Whenever God is bringing his children, his church to a new dimension, there always must be a moment, a shout, a time where the atmosphere is shredded and we say, God, you have control over everything that I say and do. So here's what I want tonight and here's what God wants to do. If you feel in your life that you are trying to possess a city, whatever that looks like to you, I want you to come to this altar. If you are trying to get the victory over something in your life, I want you to come to this altar. Come quickly. If you are trying to get the victory, if you need victory, if you need God to do something for you very specifically tonight, I want you to come to the altar. If you need the Holy Ghost, God can fill you tonight. If you need to be baptized, there is water, it's ready. But God's about to do something in this atmosphere right now. Here's what I want you to do. If you've come to this altar, I want you to just lift your hands right now. If you've come to this altar needing victory right now, I want you to just lift your hands. So whatever the city is to you, we are getting ready to shout and to lift the roof off this place and you're going to receive the victory that you desperately need. So I want you to just begin to lift up your voices right now. We're gonna speak the word of faith in here in just a moment, but I just want you to just begin to pray. If you know how to war in the spirit, go to war in the spirit for just a moment. But we're gonna let God do what he can do right now. I want you to get that city in your mind right now. I want you to begin to pray about that city that's in your mind right now. Whatever it is that you need victory, whatever it is that you need God to do, I want you to just get that in your mind right now. Laser focus on it. If you need help, if you need a medical need, if you need God to restore something, he's getting ready to do it, but you just need to get it right now. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're getting ready to release the word of faith here in just a moment. We're getting ready to release the word of faith here in just a moment, but I just want you to laser focus on what it, that city is. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, some of you need to go to war right now. Come on, some of you need to go to war right now. Here's what we're going to do. When I, I'm going to release the gift, the word of faith right now going to speak over every one of us that miracles, signs, and wonders would happen in this place. But when I say in Jesus' name, I want you to shout with everything that you've got inside of you. Your response is going to depend, your response is going to dictate whether or not God moves in this place for you personally. God can do anything. God can move anywhere, anytime, with or without you. But God is looking for somebody that's hungry tonight, and God is looking for somebody that needs the walls to fall in their life. So here's what we're going to do. The city is yours. But it always has to be preceded with a shout. So when I release the word of faith and say in Jesus' name, I want you to shout with everything that you've got. 
Let's go, Jesus. Right now, by the authority of the Word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus, right now, Lord, across this place, God, I release the gift of faith, God, that miracles, signs, and wonders would be in this place right now, God. Every generational curse has to break, God. Every single addiction has to flee right now in Jesus' name. to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.